In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've been employed at a few different state parks around the country, but for the past 10 years, I had been a park ranger at Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. I just retired this past fall, but I do miss a lot of things about my work a lot. Last spring of 2022, something happened that I wasn't prepared for at all. I've always been attuned to the sights and sounds around me, and though I'm cautious, I've rarely been afraid of much out there. The summer before last, 2021, 
we had a remarkably calm season. There were hardly any animals we had to deal with, and it seemed the bears and other pests were leaving everyone alone. In April 2022, people started to hear noises around their campsites very late at night. These noises would drive their dogs insane, but nobody had really seen anything unusual. It kind of felt like whatever it was was probing and checking out the area nightly, but it was staying far enough away that we couldn't see it with our spotlights. Then, one night when I was walking back to my quarters, I started feeling a profound sense of dread and unease. There was the most creepy, malevolent feeling in the air. I looked around and scanned the tree line before looping toward my door. I scanned the area from left to right and from my fire pit to the table. About twenty feet behind the table, I saw a naked, extremely pale, almost gray figure. There was this big boulder behind it, so it was kind of blending in and not easy to see. If I hadn't purposely been scanning the area, I wouldn't have noticed it. The thing had this humanoid quality to it, and it was very lanky and standing still. It was directly facing me, and their eyes met, and I felt my heart drop. I just went cold. I probably only stared at it for a few seconds, but it felt like several minutes while my brain was trying to process what I was seeing. It stood between five and six feet tall, and shoulders were low and slumped. The body was frail and thin. It was crouched down on all fours. I couldn't make out many details of the face beyond its large black eyes, but its mouth seemed to be open and making strange clicking sounds. It's hard to describe. The fear and shock that came over me was terrifying, and I couldn't think rationally at all. I slowly pulled my phone out of my pocket, and I snapped a photo that seemed to startle it. I watched it jump up onto the massive rock and then climb the tree next to it. The speed it exhibited was astounding. I ran like my life depended on it the rest of the way to my door. I grabbed my shotgun and loaded it and aimed it at the door. I sat there with my heart hammering, waiting for the doorknob to turn or the window glass to break. I even called for backup, and I sat there and waited for what seemed like hours for two of my colleagues to show up. I must have sounded like a blithering idiot, trying to describe what I had seen and what happened. I was usually really calm and collected, which is probably what made them believe me. The three of us were all armed, and we went out together to look for it. We stayed out into the early morning, expecting to see or hear something, but we never did. Eventually... At around 4 a.m., we lowered our guard and went into my cabin to try to get some sleep. The next morning, I could hardly believe what I had seen the night before. I kept obsessively searching the area in the daylight to see if there were any shapes or items that I could have mistaken for the creature. But the only things around were my typical campsite things. I really, really wished that there could be another witness for validation. I had to make my report, but I had so little substance that I felt a bit ridiculous. I mean, there were no sightings by anybody else, and no one had been harmed. There were only the strange noises that people and dogs had been hearing in my one sighting. So what could I really say? The photo that I had taken was dark and grainy, and you could barely make out the rock, let alone the creature. I kept watch again that night to see if I could spot anything, but there was nothing. The thought that this thing could be out there observing us was really unnerving. It was also really hard to want to warn people, but not really have anything concrete to say to them. I attempted to have the photo analyzed by several professionals, but the pixelization and darkness made the photo useless.
When I visit my family's rural house in the boonies of Tennessee, I take my shotgun every time. In the back is a high-walled, fenced-in area for my dogs to surround in during the day and sleep at night since they get filthy. One night, I wake up to the sounds for barking that I could tell was my dogs fearing something pretty badly. I grabbed the shotgun and went outside and fired off two of my confetti rounds in the direction of the fenced-in area, and I see this massive big folk takeoff. The dogs slept as close to me as they could get that night. This is an encounter that my mother and my uncle experienced as kids in the 1970s in Tijuana, Mexico. When I was younger, my mom and my uncle would tell this story to us, and I always thought it was a ghost story. But recently, I've been thinking it was an encounter. Please let me know if you had a similar experience and if you believe their story was an encounter as well. My mom lived with her older sister, older brother, and mom in a very old apartment complex. The complex was owned by my mother's aunt, but my grandma would run it to make money. The apartment complex was pretty large, and the one only bathroom they had was pretty far away from where they would sleep. My grandma took over a couple of the rooms on one side of the complex since they weren't being rented. There were around three, four rooms, and they were being used as storage. One room was a bedroom, and my mom couldn't recall what the other rooms had. In the actual apartment that was next to those rooms, they had a kitchen, a TV, and a room where they all slept together. Because the building was pretty old, most of the rooms didn't have light, but the actual apartment did. Since the bathroom was really far, my grandma would have my mom and her brother bring in a urine bucket at night. But since back then there was barely any lights, the nights would be very dark and it would make my uncle and mom super nervous. They would have to carry with them a cable light with them. So then one night, again my grandma forced them to go get the pee bucket and they both nervously hurried to go get it while carrying the cable light. They got the bucket out the room, and as they were heading back, my uncle noticed the firelight in the patio and immediately shields my mom and starts shaking. My mom, confused, tries to see what it is. The way she described it is like a firelight projection, but not red, more like a whiter fire. They both run to try to go back to the main apartment, but their older sister to mess with them locked the door and wouldn't let them in. My uncle go out of fear takes off leaving my mom behind. But my mom was so scared and peed herself. Out shock and fear she falls to the floor and observed a shadow creature running out the light. She described this creature around a kid's size. She noticed its eyes but it said although they were bigger they weren't exaggerated. Just bigger for the color she said it was like a grayish translucent color. My uncle Lizzie was running out trips over a stair and then watched the shadow run out until it disappears. Once my mom's sister finally lets them in, they couldn't stop crying. They couldn't sleep or talk. They were traumatized for years. My grandma would try to make them explain. Other people believed that my grandma needed to dig a hole on the patio because the shadowy creature might let them know there's a treasure. My grandma believed that if she'd dig a hole, she would find something bad. So that's it happened. For a while, my mom and her brother weren't the same, and then when they finally were able to talk about it, my mom realized it wasn't her imagination. I think this story is really interesting because usually an experience like this happens to one person, but two kids. Perhaps they really did see that shadowy gray light creature.
As a park ranger in Yosemite, I had seen my fair share of natural wonders and faced numerous challenges. But nothing could have prepared me for the harrowing ordeal that unfolded deep within the heart of the earth. It was a mission of rescue, of life and death, and it showcased the unforgiving nature of underground rescue operations. The call came in on a frigid winter's day. A group of spelunkers, adventurers seeking the hidden secrets of Yosemite's labyrinthine cave systems, adventured too far and become trapped. It was a nightmare scenario, and as part of the park ranger team, it fell upon us to bring them back to the surface, to the world of sunlight and fresh air. Our preparations were meticulous. We donned our caving gear, our helmets equipped with powerful headlamps that would illuminate the inky darkness that lay ahead. We descended into the cave with a sense of purpose, our hearts pounding with a mix of anxiety and determination. The cave's oppressive silence enveloped us as we navigated the twisting, narrow passages. Every step deeper into the cave was a step further from the safety of the surface. The passages grew narrower and the walls seemed to close in on us. The air grew colder and more humid, and the only sounds were the echoes of our own footsteps and the occasional drip of water. It was during one of these moments, deep within the subterranean maze, that I saw it. The unknown predator. My headlamp cast a weak beam of light ahead, and in that dim glow I spotted a figure. The creature's face was completely covered in brown fur, with just a hint of a mouth visible from the distance of my camera, which was surprisingly close for such unsteady footage. At first, I thought it was the backside of a bear, but as it turned to leave, the profile of its head revealed a distinct dome shape and a sloping forehead, reminiscent of gorillas or the fabled Bigfoot creatures. It just stood there, silent and unmoving, watching me as I descended further into the cave to save the trapped spelunkers. The encounter left me bewildered and shaken, but there was no time to dwell on it. The lives of those spelunkers depended on our swift and efficient operation. We pressed on, facing one obstacle after another, from treacherous rock formations to narrow crevices barely wide enough to squeeze through. Hours passed, and our efforts paid off. We reached the stranded spelunkers, their faces a mix of relief and exhaustion. Guiding them through the labyrinthine passages was a daunting task, but we were determined. Inch by inch, we made our way back toward the surface, our headlamps cutting through the darkness. As we emerged into the welcoming embrace of daylight, the memory of the unknown predator lingered in the recesses of my mind. I couldn't shake the image of that furry face watching us from the shadows. What had I seen? Was it a trick of the mind, a figment of my imagination, or something far more mysterious lurking in the depths of Yosemite's caves? To this day I remain confused and haunted by that encounter. Yosemite's caves hold their secrets close, and beneath the beauty of the park lies a world of darkness and enigma, waiting to be explored, but also holding mysteries that may never be fully understood. I work in IT, and a couple days a month I have to work late. After everyone else has left the office because I am running jobs that cannot take place while users are in the system. The important thing to take away from this is that most nights the entire office is completely empty, but twice a month one person is in there working late. Most of the time on these late nights I just 
stay in the server room because there is security door with a door code and I uh, hate going in and out as it requires me to punch in the code every time. It's just easier to stay in there and run everything from in there. So somewhere during this time period, the cleaning crew that had been performing janitorial services in my building lost the contract and a new company stepped in. The old cleaning crew knew me, had bumped into me numerous times, and had a rough idea of when to expect me. Not generally a problem. I didn't realize there was a new cleaning crew, and apparently no one thought to warn them about my weird shift. So anyway, this woman is cleaning what she thinks is an empty office. Little does she know that I'm actually in the server room at the same time. Late in the night... Around midnight, I have to wait for one job to finish before I can star the next. So, I decided to do some cleaning up. A former co-worker recently retired. Nice guy. Really friendly. But he was also a pack rat. He worked there for over 20 years and never threw anything away. Empty boxes, obsolete calendars, and uh, OLCDs littered the place. Now that he was gone, we were trying to get rid of a couple decades of useless debris. And I grab an armful of empty boxes, step out of the server room. Go around the corner where we keep a card for recycling and dump the boxes in. The cart was empty. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I knew the cleaning crew had already been through. Not a problem, just an observation. I go back into the server room. Apparently, the cleaning woman came back about that time and saw that the cart she had just unloaded was now overflowing with boxes again. She apparently called out to see if anyone was around, but, well, server rooms are loud. I never heard her. She turns off the lights in the office and starts doing a runner for the door. She goes down the hall and into the break room to head out the exit that way. The lights come back on behind her. She goes back into the hallway and the office is empty again. Even more boxes are in the cart. Yes, I had gone back into the server room by the time she got back. She turns off the lights again and bolts for the exit. She's now outside the office and heading for the elevators. The reception area has glass doors and she sees lights turn back on again. Now the entire time this is happening, she is never there when I come out of the server room. I know that the cleaning person must have turned out the lights, but I don't see anyone and I'm turning them back on because it is almost pitch black in the office and I don't want to trip over anything. I'm not playing mind games. Just each time I think I just missed them and they've already left. The cleaning woman by now is creeping back in the office trying to figure out what is going on. She's tiptoeing down the hallway when finally we are both in the hallway at the same time. She apparently didn't realize what the server room was or something. She certainly didn't realize there was room in there for someone to be working. She's looking down this dark hallway and around the corner. Apparently, from where she was, it was like seeing a silhouette of a man just appear. One moment the hallway is empty and the next there is someone standing there facing her. 
and I don't realize she's there as once more I'm carrying out trash. I hear a panicked shout and look up to see this stranger in the office retreating in terror. Fortunately, she calmed down enough to ask me who I was. I think seeing a guy wearing a polo shirt and carrying loose garbage must have been more reassuring than, say, a prison jumpsuit while carrying a machete. You scared me, she said. Her scared? I was the one who just got screamed at. Anyway, I had to show here where the server room door was and where I'd been lurking all night. Since then, we've crossed paths a few times when I've been working late, and she now knows my name and that, yes, I'm supposed to be there. More to the point, if funny things are happening when your back is turned, then look through the window into the server room to see if someone is in there. Me and a friend took a charter to the Cortez Bank for a spearfishing trip. We get there in the morning and jump into the ocean with our guns, etc. Immediately, the current grabs us and starts dragging us away from the ship. This is early morning, 80 miles out to sea, and there's fog. We start making drops and looking for the Pelagics. Not seeing much, we start to look for the boat and try and figure a new plan of attack. Nothing around us but fog. You can hear the boat, but only fog, and there was a little bit of swell, so you would go up. Then down and think you'd see something. But nope. I began panic mode, but I know that if you panic in the ocean, you're done. I put my head down and started kicking toward where I heard the sound of the boat. Head up. Nothing. Keep kicking. Hoping to see it. All the while being circled by huge schools of bait and I could see the bottom. If I made some drops, I probably could have seen some yellowtail or maybe even tuna. Nope. Keep kicking until you see the boat. Finally, the swell pushes me up. High enough, and I see the faint outline of the boat. Kicked hard until I got close, then finally aboard. Eventually, the fog cleared, and it was obvious you could see pretty far, but at the time, in the middle of the Pacific, with no boat in sight, I went into survival mode. I waited half hour, then jumped back in, but this time made sure I could see the boat at all times. It was during my high school days when I had the most spine-chilling encounter of my life. I was an avid archery enthusiast and often went hunting for pigs along a creek, not far from my home. The dense foliage and the active pig population made it the perfect spot for honing my skills. One evening, as the sun began to set, I was waiting patiently along the trail the pigs used, hoping they would show up before darkness fell. I could hear the rustling of a herd in the bushes on the far side of the creek, and excitement surged through my veins. Suddenly, the peaceful ambience was shattered by the sound of a pig screaming its head off. The rest of the herd scattered in a frenzy, and an eerie silence fell upon the area. My heart raced as I tried to make sense of what had just happened. Then I heard it, the growl of a mountain lion. The sound sent chills down my spine, armed with nothing more than my bow. I felt incredibly vulnerable. I knew I had to get back to my truck as quickly as possible. As I hurried back, my mind raced with thoughts of the mountain lion and its potential prey. However, the more I thought about it, the more something felt off. The scream I had heard from the pig was more guttural and desperate than I had ever experienced. It seemed almost unnatural. With every step I took, a nagging thought gnawed at me. What if it wasn't just a mountain lion? 
The idea seemed far-fetched, but I couldn't shake it. That's when it dawned on me. The Wendigo, a terrifying creature from Native American folklore, known to hunt in the wilderness and prey on the unsuspecting. I quickened my pace, and as I neared my truck, I could feel the temperature drop sharply. The air around me grew thick with tension, and I felt as if I was being watched. My instincts screamed at me to leave immediately. I made it to my truck and fumbled with keys, my hands shaking. As the engine roared to life, I cast one last glance towards the creek. In the growing darkness, I could barely make out a tall, emaciated figure with hollow eyes and razor-sharp teeth standing at the edge of the trees, the Wendigo. I slammed my foot on the gas, speeding away from the nightmare that had unfolded before me. The memory of that night remains vivid, a stark reminder that the world is full of mysteries and dangers that lurk just beyond our comprehension. Working a seasonal job in northeast Colorado, just out of college, I was staying in housing provided by my employer with seven other folks. We all had an odd feeling about the place, but no real concrete reason for our feelings. After a few weeks, some odd things started happening, but once more, not enough to really prove anything. The turning point happened when one night, the oldest guy in the group, 40-ish-year-old retired SEAL, was passed out on the couch with my lab sleeping behind it. The couch came out from the wall and the back faced the kitchen in the double wide we were staying in. My dog started growling and staring into the kitchen about one in the morning and that woke my buddy up. He sat up on the couch and told Remy to quiet down and lay down. She continued growling and staring into the kitchen but eased her way around the couch to get further away. She eventually laid down in front of the couch, but my buddy was awake at this point, laying there listening because he trusted dogs when they told him something. He heard a click in the kitchen and sat up again to look. The old basic coffee pot in the kitchen had been turned on and nobody had been there. It had a toggle switch that couldn't just flip on by accident. At that point, he kind of just shrugged it off and went back to sleep, knowing there wasn't anything more to be done. It happened multiple more times over the following months, and we just kind of got used to the ghost or whatever it was messing with us. There were many other odd things that happened to us while we worked this job, but this was the easiest to explain. I grew up across the road from a fairly large for the east chunk of state land that I would hunt and hack on some. Well, I was probably 15. I was really getting into bow hunting, but being unable to drive, my only option unless my dad was going to go to this public land. Now, this is northern West Virginia. Thick mountain laurel and not a lot of deer on public land, but it was a way for me to get out. I had an old school junkie climber that used wing nuts to strap to the tree, so it was super time consuming to pack up in the dark. One night I hunt, and if I recall correctly, saw a couple deer out of range, which was rare, honestly. Since I'd seen deer, I was feeling brave and decided I'd sit till dark, 15-year-old kid, not used to being alone. Kind of rare for me to actually stick it out, law. So it gets dark, and I climb down and start packing up. I'm feeling a little uneasy because it's dark now, and I'm fiddling with this stand. When all of a sudden, right behind me, I hear a noise clear as day. The only way I can describe this noise is a really aggressive buck grunt. I jumped up and looked all around, but never saw anything or heard anything. 
I grabbed that stand and booked it out there without even strapping it all together. I spent twenty minutes trying to make my grunt make that noise without me blowing through it. But it wasn't going to happen. I have no clue what it was, but it took weeks before I hunted in there again, and I still feel uneasy after dark in there. Things as a kid have a way of sticking with you. I like to look for new, out-of-the-way fishing holes. If I'm on a trip and have my gear, I'll pull up a map, look at the different connecting waterways, and try to find back roads that may lead to spots that few people know about. On one trip about ten years ago, I'm in western Pennsylvania, and I'm looking for a road to connect me with this small and out-of-the-way stream that I found on the map. I'm an in-country. It's not too desolate. But house are definitely getting farther and farther apart and looking more and more beat up. I surmise that I am really close to where this stream is supposed to be. So I turn down a dirt road that leads toward a tree line in the direction I believe this stream to be. The road starts out in okay shape, but as soon as I pass into the tree line, stuff gets weird. It's mid-afternoon, but the canopy of trees is so thick that it suddenly looks like dusk. Then the road very quickly deteriorates. Starts to close in and then starts to vanish. There are banks on either side of me, so I figure I'm on some sort of old logging road that rarely if ever gets vehicles on it anymore. The road is getting worse and worse. Large rocks start appearing at random spots in the road, first sporadically and then more frequently. It's very unnatural looking. It looks like they were placed on purpose. My car is 4WD, but I'm getting a little worried because the rocks are getting larger, and combine this with how tight the road now is, and driving around them is becoming sketchy. I'm now driving very slow to not pop a tire or make a wrong move and get stuck on the bank or something. The road suddenly takes a very sharp left-hand downward turn. I creep along this turn but stop as I see the road continuing this weird downward trajectory. At this moment, my gut starts talking to me and telling me to turn around, but it's at this point I realize I can't. The road is not wide enough to do a three-point turn. I could chance it, but I didn't want to get my front end caught on something pushing over the bank or my back end going off the back in the other direction and getting stuck. I say to myself, keep pushing forward and you're bound to get just enough room to turn around shortly. As I make my way driving this weird downward road with sharp curves and oddly placed rocks, I start to see items off to the sides of the road. At first, it's just garbage. Bottles, boxes, wrappers, etc. Then I start seeing toys. Kids' toys. Lots of them. An uncomfortable amount. Then I start seeing clothes. Some look old and weathered like they've been there for years, and some look fairly new. The amount of clothes I'm seeing also increases. Then I start seeing mattresses. Not one random mattress. Lots of mattresses. All over the place. There are dirty and dark stains on them. My gut is now screaming at me to get the F out. But I still don't have room to turn around. When I'm sitting there and trying to figure out my next move, I get that distinct feeling that I'm being watched. The moment that feeling hits me, I audibly yell at myself. Nope. Then I slam the car in reverse and drive reverse, dodging all of the random rocks and all the way back up and out the sharp turns until the path levels out again. I go full of this mode and risk making the three-point turn. 
My backing goes slightly off the bank and I slam back into drive and pound the gas to throw myself back onto the road and out of whatever Darkwood's bullshit I had discovered. I had no clue what I happened across that day. Best case scenario was probably some deep woods meth den. All I know is that ever since then, no matter what I'm doing, the moment my gut starts telling me to get out, I get out. 